Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we've been in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Chrissy Mail flies in to a uh, undisclosed location <laughs> in the heart of Brighton, New York for a uh, fireside chat. We're going to talk about dogs and running and racing, maybe writing books, uh, and whatever else uh, comes up along the way. So, hi, Chrissy. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for <laughs> thanks to the Kesslers for having us. You I disclosed the location. Oh, I cut that in the edit. <laughs> cut that in the edit. <laughs> um, now, you know, if people want to know um, the other side of this coin, they can go back and listen to Sherry's podcast. And that'll be, if you don't hear it in this one, you've heard it in that one. December right? 2016. I looked it up last night. <laughs> <laughs> survivey pants. <laughs> She's not a fasty pants. She's a survivey pants. Yeah. There you Have go. So um, the first question I asked you when you were, um, when I saw you today was, where's your pups? You didn't bring oh, PD with PD you. Pup. Huh? You know, she does not travel. I think no. she, I would have to be her, what is it, when you have a, a dog with... The, the comfort, the comfort dog. Yeah, the comfort dog. I would be her comfort thing. Oh. Like, I, yeah, whatever the companion. The, yes, I would be the emotional support human <laughs> for Petey Pup. She's a yeah. little anxious. Um, I have not tried traveling oh, okay. air with her. She has a great co-pilot in the car and the van. So, okay, she is with some really good friends who have a bunch of kids three kids and will be properly exhausted when I get home. I look nice. forward to that. She's, she's not missing you yet. She doesn't know it Yeah. until she sees me, then she'll realize. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been, she's how old three now? She's just turned four. Four. Yeah. So you've been on some adventures with her. Yeah. She was the reason I got the sprinter van last summer doing life in the element. I tend to spend at least six weeks, three to six weeks in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that for about 10, 14 years now. And last year or two years ago, doing that in the element with the dog just didn't work anymore. <laughs> so we totally upgraded. Big upgrade. It's, yeah. yeah which like one Which one of you needed more space? She did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you do this, you go out three to six weeks, you just drive out into the wilderness somewhere. Uh, no, I usually have some sort of mission. I've been going to Colorado for the last three years for the Colorado Running Ranch Camp. Mm-hmm. Jeff Browning and I yeah. are the coaches and put that on. So, And then I'll use that as like a point and then tag on a bunch of other stuff with it. And is that how like the Tahoe Rim Trail sort of happened when you did uh, that? I was on a road trip for, that was one of those points. Like right. I'll be out on Just my road trip and therefore will... And one of the back up. <laughs> one of the points of a road trip is a 150 mile run. 170. 170. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you know what's rounding errors, right? Right. Yeah, especially when it's your longest distance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that you just that was part of your road trip was the Tahoe Rim Trail. FKT. That was a pretty tar like in, intentional. I left for right. that and came home from that. Definitely saw people on the way right. out and back, mm-hmm. but that was intentional for that one. Yeah. So I've looked at that Colorado running camp the past mm-hmm. two years. I've kind of peeked at it. And yeah. it's it's definitely, I was saying, if there's running camps that I'm going to do, it's either I'm going to go up to Vermont and do running yep. camp in I've Vermont. I've done one up there, too, with yep. Jewel Bow and the Vermont um, yep. untapped maple guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I would go out to Colorado and do the one at the running ranch. Mm-hmm. So what's that, what's that like out there? 
What's um, the whole the What's the whole get up? It's in August, right? End of July, beginning of August. Yep. This year we start July thirty first and go through August third or fourth, mm-hmm. and it's. I mean, if you're curious at all about what Hard Rock 100 is about, this is like the greatest, safest entry point to getting to see the San Juan, call, like the, the mountains, the San Juan mountains. I live in Bellingham, Washington, so the San Juan Islands are very present in my life. So clarify the mountains. And we take people on a lot of the sections of the Hard Rock course. So you get to have that experience, but super safe. You've got coaches that are watching out for you, like watching the... You know, uh, altitude, if, if people are having issues with that, the weather storms go through there way different than they do any right. any place else that I tend to get high alpine. So you have to be a little bit more aware. Um, and then it's just a lot of really great eating. Like the Marco does a great job of bringing in awesome food. And we don't have, I've definitely done the, cl- the clinics where you have people meet and sit and take notes and show gear or do whatever. And we don't have any set aside time for that. It's just like super spontaneous in terms of what people are wanting. There's a lot of downtime, but the downtime ends up being people hanging out in groups and talking about the same things you might have in said clinic, but it's just way more casual with like, we have a fire one night and people hang out around there and story tell or yeah. beverages are involved the whole thing yeah if the foam rollers happen to come out then totally. you start then you start talking yeah about there's definitely i do love swag i'm like <laughs> swag queen i love bringing stuff and sharing we had a bunch yeah. of products last night at medbed and yeah yeah that's fun and last night you did um it was a, a protech demonstration is that what it was protech or? and patagonia yeah yeah we had a bunch of patagonia gear to give out and then got on the ground and showed people some different foam rolling techniques and yeah. i actually got to share my backdoor to baker story with the crew i gave them two options of these like i guess presentations that i can give but it's just more storytelling and i hadn't talked about the backdoor to baker in well over a year so it was kind of nice to mm-hmm. bring some of those silly stories up so if you were there then you got to hear the backdoor to baker story exactly all right yeah all right were you there you weren't there sherry i wasn't there we weren't there. Oh, yeah. Now you now you've piqued our interest yeah. for the backdoor to Baker story. Um, okay, so when you do a thing like that, did you want me to talk about it? Or? Well, <laughs> I felt like you wanted to keep it a secret. Uh, no, it's no secret. I felt like you wanted it. You wanted it to be a Medved exclusive. Like oh you had no, to be there. no, no. Okay, so what's backdoor so to Baker all about? Um, we a, a buddy of mine who also moved to Bellingham about the same amount of like in. Probably within a couple of months. I moved back in December of 15. He was not long after um, looking at Mount Baker on a daily, well, as long as the clouds aren't in, looking on at Mount Baker on an almost daily basis, you kind of start like thinking about, well, what does it take to get there? And I climbed it in 2003. So I know the Glaciated Peak. I know a little bit about, about mountain travel. And he got it in his head that he wanted to run to the base and then climb the peak. And there is an event in town that was started by a guy, local um, enthusiast, I would say, uh, Dan Probst, and spurred off on this movie called Mountain Runners that talks about this early 1900s race that started in Fairhaven, which is the town I live in, and ran to the top of Mount Baker. The people would catch a ride either via train or like strip down car. So it was full on race and just picture cars in the early 1900s or trying to get yourself to the train. And then they would take different routes up to the top of Baker and back down. And then the race didn't finish until you got back. 
to Fairhaven, and it's a little over 100 miles round trip. We're probably quite a bit more than 100 miles. Cause so for us, we decided to leave from our back doors. We met at the Village Green in Fairhaven and then ran down to Cornwall Beach. So we touched the sea, or the sound, better said, and then 50 miles to the base and then seven miles to the top. And then seven, obviously, you can't just stop at the top. You have to come <laughs> back down. We chose not to run back to Fairhaven. We had an amazing crew that provided support along the way and kept us you know, fed. And the big thing with switching between running 50 miles and mountaineering is the gear. So a total reset at the base before we went up. We hired a guide from Baker Mountain Guides to ensure our safety. We were started at like a no we started late in the afternoon because jeremy had to work that day we started around like <laughs> 2 30 or 3 he got off early and we tried to time it so that we'd be summiting um like early in the morning before the snow got too soft but 50 miles took us a little longer and to be honest the 50 miles took us about 11 hours the summit and descent took us longer so 50 miles was about 11 hours 15 miles was 15 hours so i think all told so anyways it just proved for a good adventure having traveled the world and my passport's full of all these different stamps and races and events and recently getting into fkts and then here i just left from my door like i didn't have to get on a plane i have to drive my car to california like there's awesome adventures right where i choose to live so that was the cool highlight of that patagonia did an awesome blog on the cleanest line that's still up um, there's more details and stuff. I hallucinated. Right. We saw a bear. <laughs> there's some pretty cool stories. We got to eat burgers at the Acme Diner. Like, nice. A lot of adventure that all, happens. All in your, out your back door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And that's that was going to be sort of one of the areas that I hoped we talked about a little bit is you have traveled the world. You've run the world. You've been everywhere from Japan to Ecuador to, um, you know, UTMB and Most all over the place. New Zealand, finally. Right? And <laughs> And yet you uh, bought a place and now live just outside of your hometown. Mm-hmm. Like you just say, oh, you've done all of that and you come right back home. Yep. And I've also lived in, I've lived in Boulder for a while and Bend and all over Seattle and Bellingham is home for sure. I grew up in Bow, which is like a little south of Bellingham and went to school in Burlington. Um, again, 20 minutes south. So the fact that I picked Bellingham was definitely influenced by my travels and moving around. Bend and Boulder both have like trails right out the door. And I lived in Seattle for the first 10 years of my trail running career and trail running meant like 45 minutes in the car, always having a kit to change into because you'd be soaking wet after. And then who knows that 45 minutes could turn into two hours driving home. And then the concept of like running out your door, like, (laughs) wow. So anyways, and that, you know, a place 20 minutes from where I grew up has that. Like I live a half a block from the Interurban Trail, which is the start of the Chuckanut 50K, the race that I put on. Right. So just had to go figure it out somewhere else and then come home. You got to leave in order to, you know, Mm -hmm. come back. Yeah. So I definitely know Bellingham's home. So you went Bo, Bellingham, Burlington. Older. Maybe it's just bees. bees. Yeah, <laughs> I figure if Bellingham gets too big, I'll go to Bozeman or Bishop. Or yeah, <laughs> that's really what. It, Belize? How about Belize? Well, I'll try that. <laughs> yeah, why not? I like the Pacific Northwest. Okay. I'm a Pacific Northwest girl. All right. Yeah. The big trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have them all tattooed on my side, so I love them. <laughs> I get it. I get it. The big trees. I, I finally 
made it out into the woods out in California. I, okay. I went out to Western States two years ago. Right on. John, did you crew the guy? Uh, Jamie John, Hobbs. Jamie. That's yeah. what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. So we went out and um, we stayed in uh, Tahoe City. Mm-hmm. And so we ran uh, the trails right by Tahoe Rim Trail. And mm-hmm. I totally get it. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. You look up and there's just trees for miles mm-hmm. straight out of you. Yeah. And so. that's even different than... Where right, I'm at, it's so much greener, and we've got the ferns and the understory, and it's just wet and drippy and mossy, and mm-hmm. some people love that. I think, I don't know that I love it, but it's so nostalgic for me that I can't not be there. Yeah, I have to read and listen to every story about the Wonderland Trail and around mm-hmm. Mount Rainier, mm-hmm. and just that, those stories, I absolutely love those, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Gary Robbins' story about his Wonderland FKT is just like... I don't know. Oh, I do know Gary's. Yeah, I saw yeah. his video. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And you've done that, right? Mm-hmm. You've done the Wonderland Trail. Yeah, Darcy PQ and I did it in yeah. 2013. Basically, that's around the entire base of Mount Rainier, right? Yeah, and it's not the base. You go yeah. up and over the shoulders so okay. frequently. Yeah, it has, I don't know that I remember the gain on it. It's significant. But yeah. pretty the whole time too, right? Like or just and you do get that high high alpine over by Paradise, and mm-hmm. you're also in the trees a lot. Yeah, it's it's a really so cool I, route. I can see why you'd be a Pacific Northwest, you know. Yep. But yet here you are in sunny Rochester, New York. Yes, it was sunny today. Yeah, cold. Yeah, well, it's a sunny. nice. Uh, <laughs> it was a it was a crisp winter day. Yes. You know, you had that. It's that kind where like the wind blows and it picks up the little flecks of snow and blows them sort of across. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that kind of winter. That's oh, good. I don't mind. Yeah, I would yeah. much rather be 30 and cold than 40 and wet, mm-hmm. which then why did you just call yourself a Pacific Northwest girl? But <laughs> it is true. Cold and that, I did love Boulder for that. Like yeah. the winters were, you just have to layer against it. You can't layer against wet and 40. Mm-mm. You're like, it just gets in there. Yeah, yeah it's gross. And then mm-hmm. if you're running, you're sweating. Or you're yeah, condensate. You're doing something. That's <laughs> like, your body is Going making some sort of soup between your jacket and you, and it's not. Hence the kit in the car every yeah. time you finish. Yeah, I, I'll take snow over rain any day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. any day. So um, you're in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're for my fourth time. For your fourth time, <laughs> and and you've you've sorted them out. It's and you've spaced them pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. So that's good. Um, when you come here, do you often like have an agenda or do you have favorite things that you want to see besides Shay Kessler? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, we're sitting right where I like to be. Yeah. Right. Like the, that's why you come. You, you just yep. give me the couch. The, well, the agenda is uh, catch up with a really good friend that was made the first time I visited Rochester. Uh, they offered to put me up in a hotel. I said, you know, I do way better with house stays. And he's like, oh, I have the perfect person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worked out great. exactly. Mort's, Mort's a matchmaker, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call him that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, but you don't have things like you're like, oh, when I get to Rochester, here's the first thing I need well, to do. Well, this here. trip, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the last trip or two trips ago, we, oh, so I've been here 10, 12, 17, and now 20. Um, one of the trips we fed the birds, the little Tweety birds. Oh, at Menden? Yes. That was a definite highlight and like intentional, we want to go do this Mm -hmm. kind of thing. This trip is the reason I'm here at this time of year is for the sugaring. Mm. And so like, yeah, we're running a 50K tomorrow, but 
Sunday, we get to go to Cartwrights and stand in line and eat all the buckwheat pancakes you can and all the maple syrup. And I'm going to ship a box home, I've already decided. Very good. <laughs> maple very, syrup, to be clear, not pop- buckwheat pancakes. <laughs> well, yeah. you can ship those home, too. Yeah. Probably cheaper to ship the syrup, though. Yeah, <laughs> the buckwheat pancakes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned you're going to run uh, 50K. You're going to run Frozen Branch tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Actually, it, I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, do you think you're going to race it? No. You're just going to run I don't it. race anymore. Yeah, yeah. Right. How about this? Better said, I don't know what racing looks like for me anymore. Right. You said you haven't raced in two years. Mm -hmm. Yes. So do you think you're going to take it easy? Do you think something's going to take over you and you're just going to start crushing it? I have no idea. I'll be there when I'm there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I did the China race in um, 2000. 18 in March mm-hmm. of 2018 and there was something that clicked in me when I finished that event that I knew that was the last time I would race like that mm-hmm. the training that went in to be ready for that the spectacle that that race was and being the first female and placing in the I think I was 11th or 10th like placing high up in the men as well just they created such a scene around that like laser lights and smoke bombs and announcers and music. And I carried an American flag across the finish line and my foot was pressed in gold. Like who has that experience? Like that's just not an experience that most well, people get to have. Well, I mean, me and Dave got our feet pressed in gold the other day, but yeah, that's, it just happens. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's, that's just Rochester. a Tuesday. Yeah. That's just a Tuesday for us. Come to Rochester and do that. Yeah. <laughs> gold maple syrup. No. Yeah, that's awesome though. So that was a big deal. And you kind of like, okay. Oh my God. And, and I just, there was something and just, how that all went down that i mean you could joke and say well it's a great high note to go out on or whatever but there was something that clicked and i haven't known how to race since Mm -hmm. i don't have the same i I wouldn't even call it competitiveness because that's not what drove me before either it was always just curiosity of what i could get out of my body and what would happen on that day i like being physical on a daily basis and those long long events it's hard to be physical for the next couple days, weeks, maybe month after that. And I, I don't want to have that much downtime anymore. You don't want to race weird... yourself into the ground because yeah. you want to be able to do the next day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. Like we might just be on the couch on Sunday, like cart rides and home, but. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. ask. You can't, you can't run on a belly full of buckwheat. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> We're doing a shakeout run though beforehand, I think. I think that's part of the plan. All right. Yeah. So like anyways, yeah, you, I've, I'll figure it out. And I think between Frozen Branch, this is a great little ad that was not expected, but a total bonus. And then I'm signed up to run the Miwok 100K on May 2nd. So that'll so from, definitely be a distance that I'll have to figure out what I'm doing. From <laughs> not from not racing to two races. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. It might be coming back. I mean, you've had... 20 years of competitive racing, right? That's the thing, right? So (laughs) you've had to have parts of the, you've had to have other times where you've said, you know, I'm not racing so much anymore. Not in that two decades. No, Mm -hmm. there was never. 2008 was like a rough year. 2008, 2009, oh, nine, I raced really well. 2008 was kind of a rough year, but I I ran a hundred miler at the end of the year and decided I was still in it. So (laughs) I haven't had this long of a, yeah, of a non-racing call it gap or whatever Mm. and i'm okay with it i think that's the best part is it doesn't running has so many great layers for me and i get to love it on so many different levels that and i I would say i'm so lucky that my sponsors are of the mindset that like racing has always been icing on the cake they don't even see that as a part of my 
um, job as an ambassador. So there's no pressure to podium or even toe the line. Like I, I get to really love the sport how I, however it unfolds. Like last year, last two falls, I've coached cross country for the high school team. And I coach, I've grown my coaching practice. I've, I used to have about eight to 10 and now I'm up around 30 athletes and it takes, I get to put that much more energy into them. And another big change is I'm actually being coached. So rather, I've written my own coaching plans for 20 years mm-hmm. and um, our training plans, I guess. And now David Roach is um, he's taking got, me on. He's got everybody. He right? really does. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> and and he has a great results. approach. And yeah. I really, I think with where my mindset is, his approach is perfect for me. It has nothing to do with results. It had, like I got this great email from him yesterday that's like, this is just the celebration. Training's the test. This is a celebration. There's no pressure. It's yeah. whatever happens tomorrow is what happens. I'm like, that's exactly where I'm at. Like, yeah. no other expectations. Yeah, it's run happy, right? So that's cool. You got it. But, but so you haven't raced in two years, but you got a coach and you signed up for two races. And Well, uh, last fall, for my birthday, actually, was, we started working together on my birthday. And just with the approach of what does it look like now? Because yeah. I love being a part of the community. I've missed being at events. I've gone and volunteered at way more. Well, not way more. I've always volunteered. But how about with not having the race counterpart? I've been, just been volunteering at events for the last yeah. couple of years. So it was good to have, um, if I'm really going to figure out what the racing part of this is, like I have to go stand on the line too. Yeah. Yeah. And tomorrow will be a great introduction to that. Oh, because, I think it'll be great. Because I don't think there's going to be anybody there that's going to be chomping at the bit to if run. If they are, great. Like go well, do your thing. <laughs> well, they will, but they're yeah. not going to be like ultra competitive. They're going to, everybody is going to be trying to do their best because mm-hmm. it's really that race, I think more than any uh, that I've been to around here is you versus the course. Well, cool. That's how I think ultras are, period. Yeah. But. It's really, it's really going to be like, you know, who knows what kind of snow there's going to be, what kind of ice, washouts, mud, who knows? Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be a good old day. Cool. And then chili at the end. Perfect. <laughs> Tepid chili. Tep- oh, the vegan chili. Yeah, yep. I'm looking forward to that. That's the selling point. Mm-hmm. So you had, um, you had mentioned your sponsors. My stomach is being so loud from all our veggies. <laughs> <laughs> Demanding more. Yeah. That, I'm telling you, that pasta sounded, that smelled legit. We had a good the, dinner. The, <laughs> the herb oil sauce, the chopped veggies. It was good. Roasted veggies, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you mentioned your sponsors mm-hmm. um, and how they it's uh, not about competitiveness or results or anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Patagonia and mm-hmm. uh, Vosk, mm-hmm. right? And they're, they're not really racing companies. They're more, you know, I've been wearing Vosk boots since I knew what hiking was, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think of both of them more as, I, I don't know if the, I don't know what they would call them, but lifestyle companies like, mm. you know, they're, if you wear Patagonia stuff, you wear Patagonia because it's great. Um, oftentimes it comes with a message. It comes with their system of sustainability. And, you know, I guess there's, there's something that you can get behind. Vosk boots last forever. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I would say the Patagonia gear. Yep. The, forever. Yeah. I've had a Houdini for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's still, you know, great. Yeah. Um, is there something to that, that the reason why you've been so closely aligned with them, do you think it's like a sustainability and long-term relationship thing? Is that why you're both in it? Definitely. I, uh, the long-term relationship started even before I was associated with them as an ambassador. Both brands have been 
like incredible over the years. I've actually gone in and out of Vasquez. They have had trail running shoes and not. Um, and then actually with Patagonia footwear in between. So there was kind of a, a funny coming back to Vasque, but it all has stayed within the same vein for so long. Protect Athletics is another local brand. They're in Redmond, Washington. And Lily Trotters and uh, Trail Butter, ba- based out of Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. There's just a really good like synergy I have with the brands that don't don't have expectation of and just love what I get to do in the community and how I quit my real job 10 years ago and how it continues to evolve and change over the years. And racing has been a part of that, but it's not the, the only thread that, that we connect over, I guess. And I'm just Uber. I said it last night at the MedVed presentation, all these logos popped up and I, I just think that that's what actually gave me my start and the belief that I could like not work nine to five is these, this group of sponsors were providing just enough cash that I could live pretty, pretty thrifty, but like that they believed and was more so not the money, but that they believed in me enough to like, let this be more of a lifestyle when ultra running wasn't a career. Like I listen to these videos and podcasts and all these different social medias that come out now and people introduce themselves as a professional ultra runner. And that, <laughs> that was not a career when I started in, um, 2000, you know, Scott Jurek did his whole Western States career on a credit card. Nobody yeah. paid for that. He did that all. And I think that's just a, definite evolution in the sport and how crazy to be old enough to be a part of that massive change. But in, and I think the, the reason I asked about the long term and the sustainability is because I think now those professional ultra runners, it, at least in my view, those careers are really short or those relationships with sponsors are very short. I don't see them as five, 10, 15, 20 year relationships. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. if you, you, if you're racing and you're wearing somebody's gear or you're eating somebody's product and they sponsor you for a couple of years while you're getting results Mm -hmm. and suddenly you decide like, you know, well, maybe I want to, I want to take up rock climbing. Well, the relationship wouldn't, wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And And it can go on both sides of that relationship too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I think something like, you know, Patagonia over the years has constantly demonstrated that they are long-term in sustainability, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, and ter- also, in ha- like, obviously, in the way the products that they produce, how they source their materials, how they work with their you know manufacturers, and this, they above and beyond. And I also think that reflects in the ambassador program where athletes are on for the long haul. It's not those, you know, flash in the pan. Who's the next hot athlete? they've they've got a consistent grouping of us and for the longest time i was the only female trail Mm -hmm. runner on board and now we have this great team of men and women and the line has seen such great changes i would not call it lifestyle it's like a technical brand in the sense of how it performs and they're constantly testing gear like our job is not to stand on race starting lines it's to test gear so if that's on a race starting line or doing an fkt or training in your own backyard that's what our job is. There's a whole behind the scenes website that we give feedback on. And that's what designers tap into to like tweak um, design lines or play with fabrics. And it's a really cool um, 
how they bring us in is a is a really cool relationship. Yeah, and that's why I'm not in marketing because lifestyle, like I said, it's not the right word. What <laughs> I meant, it's not like, oh, you know, wear these pants when you're going out on the town. It's more like this is my gear for mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. These are the things I use all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not wearing them because somebody's paying me. Mm-hmm. I'm not wearing them because they're flashy and they're they. Uh, they make a big name for themselves. I'm wearing them because it's my stuff. Mm-hmm. It's what I trust. It's what I, can I use. Trust. I can use it. You know, that's that's different. what I meant when I said, you know, that's mm-hmm. why I'm not in marketing. Your lifestyle, yeah. <laughs> your lifestyle, yeah. the stuff that fits you. Like I said, I wear Vosk boots and just mm-hmm. been wearing them, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it's not because they're paying me. No, right on. <laughs> yeah, you can trust the numbers. Yeah. Them. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um, where do we want to go from here? I want to ask you a little bit about writing. Because mm-hmm. writing seems to you you've written a book, mm-hmm. um, but it seems like you've written a lot of articles for a lot of places. You have um, you contribute regularly to Trail Sisters mm-hmm. now, and it seems like writing is becoming a or you know is growing as something that you're almost as well known for as you're running. It seems. Oh wow, that's a compliment. Well, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to me, at least, I mean, yeah. I read more th- that you you know write than mm-hmm. than seeing you run. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've definitely enjoyed the the gift that that book, Running Your First Ultra, has brought. I put that out in the world four years ago, and like the feedback I get from people that have used it to run their first ultra and then they take it on and use the training plan to run their next like greater distance and the stories that come out of it and the lessons they take from what I wrote in there. That's, that was a much greater gift than I realized what I was signing up for, if you will. Like I I knew that was the book I was supposed to write. In fact, when I signed the, or when I was in conversation with the publisher they actually already had a writer for a training manual, a ultra running training manual. Mm-hmm. And so I actually went back to them in an email and said, you know, they wanted me to propose some other book style or something else to write about. And I wrote back and said, you know, I could do something about fast packing or I'm getting into these FKTs at the time. Perhaps I could you know, come up with some sort of outline for that. But I really feel I've been coaching athletes for five years. I really thrive on the first time athlete. And that's another part of why I race direct Chuck and year after year is I get so many first time ultra runners there and it gets to take me back to that early mindset, even 20 years into it now. Um, so three weeks later they wrote back and told me that the other author had pulled out and that I got to write that book. So there's a lot of history to that book that, really made it come together and then now to have this I like call it reward or gift on a at least weekly if not daily basis hearing from people is is pretty cool and we were such a awesome core community like i i love that i feel accessible that people will send a note and tell me about their race that's cool and that that book is is unique to me because i've read a lot of training books and i've seen a lot of ones with numbers and and a lot of paperback that book is it's a beautiful book like it's nice to look at it's nice to hold it's got it's not just like here's your three spreadsheets and here's your 
12 week, your 24 week, your 45 week, 45 week training plan, by the mm-hmm. way, that had to take some <laughs> real, <laughs> that had to take some real guts to put in there and be like, no, seriously, you need 45 weeks to get ready. If this is your first hundred miler, yeah. I think so. And I wanted people to feel totally prepared. Like, yeah. and I get a lot of those questions. Well, I only have 20 weeks to train or, and that's where a coach comes in because what you're bringing to the table, that's the hardest thing about writing that book was I don't know what's coming to the table and where you're going to plug yourself into this training program. And so if, like, yeah, I'll get those emails that say, can you, you know, is that okay? Like, I, I don't know enough of your history to give you the okay on Instagram, like Messenger. I appreciate that you trust my information that much, but I would much rather have a phone call with you and yeah. and decide like, you know together. They, you know they just want somebody to tell them it's okay. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and I'm not the girl to do that. I am so literal. My parents say that all the time. Like, I have to know the facts. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a really pretty book. Like it's it's just nice to even flip through and look at the pictures and see, you know. So good cool. job, awesome, thanks. But yeah, that was my. I was pretty particular on having it be that square, like mm-hmm. paperback, floppy. Throw it in the car, dog ear it, write mm-hmm. on it. Those are my favorite. I've had. It's mostly women. I, I, I will give it. They'll bring their books. Um, and have post-it notes and arrows and scratched out and drawn. And I, I love seeing those ones because that's what I intended it for. Yeah, I haven't done that with that one because it's no. too pretty to do. Uh, right on. <laughs> Multiple copies. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. There's my, this is my working copy. This is my backup copy. Right. Um, yeah, but then from there, I mean, it seems like you've written a lot more. I mean, you're, you used to write some blog articles and little mm-hmm. columns, but now it seems like you're writing longer form stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm actually working on a second book, so hopefully yep. that goes somewhere. This is a much different process. Page Street Publishing approached me for that first book. I'm, like, writing with a co-writer, trying to find an agent, then, like, proposing to publish. It's, like, a whole piece of the puzzle I did not do on the first round, so I'm learning this upfront part. Like, it's a, it's a business plan, yeah. not just a marketing plan. It's a full-on business plan of how this book then goes to market, so right. hopefully somebody likes it. <laughs> right. And um, Trail Sisters, you, mm-hmm. you contribute to that. Can you tell me a little bit about your involvement in that and what's going on there? Oh, I would just give full credit to Gina Lucrezzi. She, mm-hmm. we, there was a group of us that ran on Wednesdays when I lived in Boulders. We had Wednesday morning runs. And there was talks of like this, this platform that Gina had. It is her baby, and she has totally run with it. And I feel like because I was on those runs and said, yeah, sure, all right, like, that would be my contributing part. That girl, it's it's her and her husband, Justin, has really owned the platform in terms of figuring out how to make all of the information work on that, um, the internet space or whatever. Um, yeah, I could contribute more. I should write more frequently because I really love what she's doing. I'm a big time supporter. That's my big role. I'm yeah. a big cheerleader for her. Yeah. yeah. What, I, what I like about that site is, you go to some site and it's like, blah, 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 um, about us and contributors. And you see four or five people. Mm-hmm. You go to the contributors page of Trail Sisters, it's hundreds yeah. and hundreds of people, all with a profile, all with a, you know, like, yep. it's really neat. Like, they're all, yes, all of these people contribute to yep. this. That's great content, too. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got a good, mm-hmm. some sort of resource. And mm-hmm. you can go back and look through articles from years back and it'll be relative or relevant to you now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, and it, you know, it's funny because it's, it, you know, Gina and the, the stuff they talk about, it's a platform for women by women. Mm-hmm. I'm out there once a week reading stuff. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. well, that's I don't, great. I don't know if I'm spying, if I'm oh. not supposed to be reading it, but 
Oh, there's definitely there. trail misters in there too. Yeah, I'm yeah. out there all. It's good stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trail misters and trail sisters. Got it. I'm picking up what you're putting down there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, writing a book mm-hmm. is a long process, mm-hmm. and running a hundred miles is a long process. Yep. Some is there a little bit of a sim- symbolism there, or is it is it a, a different kind of endurance sport that you're taking to? Oh. Yeah, the the solidarity of riding, even more so than running, which I know a lot of people see running as very solo, but if you look at any of the events I've done, FKT, race, or otherwise, I'm the one with the big old crew. I love having people around me. The party. So running is more of a team sport to me. Riding is so solo. And I'm so thankful to be working with a co-writer right now because that, at least there's like some accountability, like somebody to to work with on it. And I did that a lot last year and... um, this this woman helped me get really far along and now I'm working with somebody that can really help me develop the writing and it's that's I think having an agent will be amazing too because I want a team like and it's so (laughs) silly like I think authors typically are maybe more introvert I'm guessing I'm making a huge generalization by saying that and I am not (laughs) no but you're you're not looking you're not looking to say look at this thing I did all by myself I wrote this big Mm -mm. giant book it was only me Mm -mm. you want the the crew well, and all the stories that came with it too mm-hmm. like those are there's so many characters in my world that i want to help mm-hmm. sh- like so to share and what i've learned from them i guess that's the me part is what i've learned from them but it's yeah it's, it's a really cathartic process and i guess right. that's the parallel i would parallel i would draw to running mm-hmm. is there's i have that a saying that there's not many issues in life that a long run can't solve just sometimes the run needs to be a bit longer <laughs> and so applying that like what i find as i write is kind of in a similar vein yeah. of what i find when i'm running are you um are you finding the same uh brutal honesty in your writing as you do in long ultras more so writing yeah the brutal honesty of writing especially like this co-author that i'm working with he um yeah what i'll share with him if i were to i don't think i would write it as unfiltered as i am when i verbalize it and that's why he's decided he took this project on as a way to like draw it out verbally like i'm not actually doing any of the writing right now he he listens to what i say and then writes right. to, to get this like stuff down and i think it's going to be way more honest than maybe i'm like or vulnerable whatever word you want to use but yeah then maybe i'll be comfortable actually putting out to the world we'll see because, <laughs> because you're you're just saying it yeah you're not committing it to paper uh-huh. there, so, there's something different to it yeah yeah <laughs> and then i go back and read it and i'm like oh boy did i did tell him that yeah <laughs> yep. that's why i i used to try to do this sort of thing with interviews and um a blog and mm-hmm. write stuff and i just found it so much easier to talk through it all oh is that yeah. how the podcast got started for you yeah. oh yep. cool it was more i i just i i like writing mm-hmm. but it would take me six months you know to get something i'm like well i'm gonna write about that marathon you know uh, and then good. it's a september marathon and i'm getting the article out in march got like it. not not exactly timely because i'm fighting with all the words got it you know and strong yeah. do i want to say it this way or that way mm-hmm. you do the podcast it just it comes out it's flowing and it's done you know mm-hmm. so cool creative outlet 
Yeah, it's kind of neat. And mm-hmm. I get to hear all the stories first. That's mm-hmm. really it. It's my selfishness of <laughs> getting to hear the story first. That's cool. Yeah. And if you're local, like running communities, what yep. this is based in, that's really sweet. That's it. You know, people people in Rochester or that have an interest in Rochester. Mm-hmm. So, Well, what a gift to get to be an outsider coming <laughs> in. <laughs> well, you have an interest in Rochester. So. I do. I yeah. do. <laughs> She's in right there. <laughs> yeah, there she is. And Wegmans. I like going to Wegmans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned characters uh, in your running community. And, you know, I think one of the things that if people know things about you, they know Seattle Running Company mm-hmm. and they know Scott McCrubery and Scott Jurek mm-hmm. and Chrissy Mel were all at the same running store at one point in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do you think back to that as like... Do you think back to it as something, anything more than you and your friends going running on weekends? Do you think of it as like the genesis of the Seattle running, ultra running community or anything like that? I see it as the latter now, but in the, and when we were in it, it was friends going for a run. We didn't know that that's what was happening at that time, but ultra running, there was a great article in one of the trail runner dirt magazines about Scott McCubrey and how he started that hub like just through his own enthusiasm that man like loves ultra running and loved getting people out on trails and i have a great father in my life and scott was like my running dad like he took me to races tucked me under his wing like made sure i had like whatever i needed and like post race he ran my first um chuckanut with me until he couldn't keep up anymore like there's just a lot of great like stories that i have just with that personality and as well as scott jurek being the one to take me on my first trail run i shared that last night at medved that like a lot of times i'll get the question like how do you become a professional ultra runner which like i said i have a hard time saying i'm a professional ultra runner but um i said you meet scott jurek the first year he's won west like right after he's won his first western states like it really was like you said that genesis or that hub of ultra running and that's just those people that came together and loved being out doing it pushing each other um and it's definitely grew from there and then we've all branched out like if you look at where that group is now none of us are in seattle anymore i I mean (laughs) there might be some the characters that i'm kind of needing to pull from my brain but well you're close by you're in the backyard yes for sure it's it has spread sort Mm -hmm. of throughout you know and if you think about that back if you Think about what it is now, mm-hmm. you know, from where you came from. That could be happening at any running store. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I think is cool about ultra running. It can be four or five people at a store like Medved yesterday. Mm-hmm. There could be four or five people that now start to do that sort of thing that just grow and push themselves and become something bigger than they thought they were going to be with their Sunday morning runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the neat part for me, at least. Mm-hmm. And that was happening, I think, like same timing around the, the country. I then went on to work at Montreal Footwear, which is unfortunately no longer mm-hmm. um, the first still, brand to sponsor trail running. I still have one pair of Montreals nice. left. I think I, have, I do too. <laughs> I, have of, I have a pair of Fair Havens that like, now I wear sparingly. Oh, right They're on. like um, winter hiking shoes. Okay. But I wear them sparingly so that You don't they, want them to die. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, and, like, we were a part of a lot of the the races of that time. And, like, there wasn't a lot of East Coast races. Like, Dink Taylor had the, the Mountain Mist, and Dave Horton ran the races down in Lynchburg. Mm-hmm. 
and like <laughs> you know jfk obviously the road trail race but there weren't a lot of events out east and now there's a whole you don't even have to come west to race i, I remember that being kind of a thing like east coasters felt they had to come west to truly be an ultra runner and that's not the case it just needed to be like found out like where else you could go <laughs> yeah so it has it has changed a lot over 20 years oh yeah one it? brand sponsoring trail runners to like every brand on the scene has mm -hmm. some sort of trail running affiliation yeah yep. and but at the end it's still a pair of shorts or, or a skirt yeah. and and a pair of shoes thankfully you know it mm -hmm. it still doesn't cost anything to get out on the trail mm -hmm. you know so you can still go and do it mm -hmm. so what do you what do you think about um the current day you know there's there's sort of the old guard now is is in their 40s mm -hmm. you know and late early 40s to late 40s and now you've got the new kids coming up mm -hmm. fast really fast at these really mm -hmm. long distances i mean your UTMB course record was like 19 hours, was it? No, 24 20, or something. 20, 24, 23? 23. Oh, was I under 24? I, I think can't. Yeah. I'm so bad but with anyways, stats, even my own. <laughs> but, but that was a, like a big deal for, mm -hmm. you know, when you did that course record. Mm -hmm. Now, course records, they only last for a year or two, and mm -hmm. then they're gone. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think about that at all, or not being in racing, you don't think about that much? I, don't, I just had this conversation with some girlfriends like last week. Uh, I never did. Like, I never, like, even in high school when you're supposed to know who you're supposed to, like, I ran the 800 meter in high school, and you're supposed to know who you're up against and what their times are, and I've never been that person. Like, yeah. and just the way my chemistry is, I don't think that it has anything to do with yeah. lack of desire or whatever. That's not what running has ever been about to me, so... I just don't think that's changed. It kind of sucks as a race director because I get asked all the time, like, who's running your race? And even there, I'm like, I know where the porta potties are. I know where the bib numbers are. I know, like, where we're having the post race. Like, I get all into those details and, like, creating an event. And I'm really excited, you know, give hugs to everybody as they come to the starting line. But it's not because they have this many points in some race or they ranked it 100% on ultra sign up. Like, that stuff is completely lost on me. And, like I said, not for lack of interest, just my chem, like, the way I'm made up. So I've never. Which, seem, <laughs> which seems odd because you're one of those people. You're in the front all the time. You're the person that people are talking about being in the race. Maybe it's just better to not listen or have that <laughs> in your head or whatever. Because that's yeah. not what motivates me to run. Mm -hmm. So I just don't give mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just happen to be fast and happen to be up there. And mm -hmm. that's just the way it goes. Found what I was good at real young. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the future? You got a book, you're thinking about what racing might be like or what competitive running might be like again. Um, or how about just being amongst the community? Well, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> a lot of yeah. people in the community don't have a coach, though, and aren't signed up for a 50K and a 100K. So, mm. you know. Well, when you come from having done as many mm -hmm. hundreds or 50, yeah. like, yeah, yep. <laughs> it's so a little different. Yeah, so do you think it's just going to be, you're just kind of going with the flow and seeing what comes next? You don't really have mm -hmm. a big plan? You just Not for that part of it, no. Nope. Nope. Yeah, I know I'll stay in Bellingham. I know I've got a great little dog and um, good family and loved ones close by. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, uh, I don't plans for it. I'm really excited. I'm a month out from putting on Chuck and Nut. This is my 18th year as the race director for it. Yeah, and it's it's almost what thirty years old now. It, yeah, twenty eight. Twenty eight years old. Wow, that's so amazing. Having that classic event in our backyard and the community, the way they rally around it, and mm -hmm. 
I have said with this second book, I feel like this needs to happen to know what's next. Mm-hmm. And it really feels like a speed bump in a way of until it's either I decide to stop and not do it because it's been a 10 year project or if, you know, I get it into a publisher's hands and do the writing and like it, then get it out into the world until either of those decisions happen, making plans, mm-hmm. like knowing yeah. what's down the line. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Why, why look past this next big thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't see past the book. I just totally get that. Yep. <laughs> I, I have a hard time planning next week right now. So yeah. you know. well, what else do we have then right now? Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I had today. People are like, what time are you going to be at a frozen branch tomorrow? I'm like, I don't, I don't know yet. Uh. I got, I got the stuff tonight and yeah. then we'll figure out what happens then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're a big role in the race tomorrow. Are you? I just am one of the race team. Got it. I do. I'll be, I'll be at the start line, probably checking you in, mm-hmm. in, check, and then I'll be at the turnaround, probably collecting your playing card. Okay. And then don't lose uh, that. Yeah, don't <laughs> lose your playing card. That's the proof that you got to the other side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll be around though. Definitely, I love that course. Cool. There's a four mile stretch, um, Mitchellsville Gorge. It's called. Um, it was about this time five years ago that I went out to do my first piece of recon for Twisted Branch. Mm-hmm. And I stepped on that part of the course, and I was, like, blown away. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, beauty. Oh, cool. Absolutely beautiful. And it's nice rolling through the pines. And you come out, and you're in, like, in a, a little vineyard in somebody's backyard. Mm-hmm. But um, just that three-mile stretch right there sort of grabbed me. And I've been sort of stuck on that course in that area since then so is that on the frozen branch course or is that just twisted branch? okay yep it'll be you will be running it backwards Mm -hmm. so you'll get it one mile into the race okay so and then at the end yep and then at the end cool little piece mitchell's villa gorge kind of neat um yeah so all right um i guess that's it anything any parting things well, in the closing, I can tell people how to find all your stuff and all the writing we've been talking about. Oh, that sounds great. And how to get a handle on your book. And mm-hmm. I do sell it on my own website. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all those, but I will sign it and send it to you. I go to the post office frequently. Wow. Yep. You don't get as good of a deal. You have to pay cover price, but well, I'm you're happy also, to sign it and send it. You're also getting it hand-wrapped and yes. delivered. Yep. <laughs> Neat. That's fun for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta, that's kind of cool. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I'll order one of those so I can have my dog-eared copy and then yeah. my, my backup, <laughs> go back to that. My yeah. backup copy. Right. On. All right. Well, thank you so much cool. taking Thanks, time Chris. out of your busy Rochester. Oh, we have so agenda. Much to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thank you. Yep, bye. <laughs>
So, but I had the backup, but I didn't have the laptop to process the backup. So things were a bit sketchy and delayed there. Uh, but if only I knew that the laptop would be the smaller of the the issues. Um, yeah, so it was pretty amazing. Um, so we're recording this closing on March 23rd. 2020. And it was really amazing to listen back to this episode for the edit and sort of think, boy, if we only knew what the next four weeks would bring. Now, I'm not all doom and gloom, but yeah, things are tough. Kids are home from school and many service industries and people I know and love have had their businesses closed or they're without a job and Things look a little sketchy right now. Um, yeah, not not great. Um, but I guess one thing that I, I, I think or I hope listening to this episode has reinforced in me is uh, how quickly things can change and how to not take something for granted. You know, I mean, four weeks ago we were talking about Chuck and Nut and all these things that were going to happen and everything's changed since then. And, and they, you know, it's not that planning for something is taking it for granted, but um, those things are always there. And why wouldn't they be there? There's no reason for them to not be there. Well, now they're not there. Um, so I'm just, I'm trying really hard to uh, be super grateful for little things and to really push that empathy button, you know, like we, um, this could be a, a real big catalyst, you know, instead of, uh, an American culture that looks out for, um, individuals first and, you know, gets, gets ours. Maybe, you know, out of this comes like, uh, some of that sort of, we're all in it together type of stuff. So I guess, yeah. I mean, if you can, if you're in a good place, you know, practice some extra kindness, have a little empathy and be thankful for all of the little things. And if you're one of those good people in the service industry or any of the businesses that are hit by closings or personally by the coronavirus, I'm sorry. It sucks. Um, I don't know what else to say. It's pretty terrible. Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about Fred Rogers and I don't know why. I mean, I guess, I don't know. He creeps up in my mind a lot. Mr. Rogers was kind of a big deal for me. Um, but his mom always told him like, look for the helpers, you know? And, um, I think that's more important now than ever to not only be a helper, but to actually look for them and to ask for help and to help each other. So, um, please look for those opportunities to help and ask for help if you need it. Um, all right. Uh, thank you all for listening and sharing with your friends. Um, thank you to all the Patreon supporters. Going forward, all money from the uh, Running Inside Out Patreon will be spread amongst other parts of the running community that can use it. Uh, there's, you know, it's not a lot in the pile, but a little bit can uh, really help people out. So there's a number of small businesses and business people that could use a little boost. So while I know that you donate uh, to the Patreon with the intent of it going to the podcast, um, the podcast will be all right. Um, so I'm hopeful that you won't mind it being 
redirected to some other places. Uh, so thank you. I'm going to do my best to bring some content that might be a little helpful or maybe entertaining or maybe just plain old distracting. I don't want to focus on COVID, but it is a part of our life. But um, sometimes you just want a distraction from that. So we'll see what this little enterprise here we have can do. Um, we'll get through this. Again, I'm always interested in hearing your thoughts. So please email me at chris at runninginsideoutpodcast.com. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. Take care of each other.